All right, man. Before we started recording this, I just had a startling uh-huh. revelation. And I think this is oh. kind of a combination of the fact that I just had a big old skank banger show the other day playing the yeah. 80s hair metal. Uh-huh. And uh, you and I were talking about Hellraiser a bunch leading up to this. <laughs> I put these two things together in my head, and I really came to a conclusion. I've just got to share with you and see if I'm crazy here, okay? Okay. The Poison Smash hit, Unskinny Bop. Unskinny Bop. Uh-huh. Is this maybe a song about Frank from Hellraiser and his skinless self? Is he unskinny? <laughs> Is that what they're fucking talking about? Okay, hear me out. Let's look at these lyrics. What's okay. got you so jumpy? Why can't you sit oh. still? Yeah, because he's just yeah. back from hell and has no fucking skin right. on his body. He's very right. sensitive exactly. right now, right? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> like gasoline, you want to pump me and leave me when you get your fill. He's sucking these guys dry. He's getting his fill. Yes, it's true. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. In the pre-chorus, come up for air, you pull me to the floor. Frank came uh, out of the floor. He came out of the damn floor. Wow. <laughs> okay. Am I on to something here? Uh, pop, pop. Yeah, I, listen, I am going to, maybe, if I, if I find the time and I don't forget, uh, due to smoking the marijuanas, I'm probably going to try to put together an unskinny pop Hellraiser <laughs> music sense. video to post on Instagram. Because as soon as you started saying that, I was thinking how you could probably <laughs> make that work. I think so. Yeah, I think so. so. Okay. Look, be on the lookout for that. <laughs> what if I dig a little bit deeper and it's like originally titled Unskinny Frank, yada, yada, yada. Unskinny Frank. <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've found a connection here. It's hiding in plain sight, right? What else does unskinny mean? It's clearly a song about a skinless man. <laughs> unskinny meaning unskinny. a man with no skin. It just makes uh-huh. sense. We're full of revelations here on the newest installment of Dead and Lovely, the only podcast. Here with the host with the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Woo! And today we are going to be talking about the Void from 2016. Right. This is one that you guys have been asking us to do on the show for a month of Sundays, I reckon, haven't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they have. I mean, and, and for good reason. I mean, we both had, had already seen it, so we already had uh, positive associations with it and wanted to do it anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we're, we're finally getting to it because this one, I, I really enjoyed breaking this one down. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. If you want to get straight on to the movie review portion, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast mm-hmm. description. But as usual, before that, we're going to slam a co-beer and shoot the shit, catch up, talk about our weeks and all that other good stuff. I'm going to go ahead and get these festivities going by popping open this co-beer and pouring Ooh. it into my face portal. Ooh. What do you think about that? I got a void that sounds great. of beer in my face. My, my, <laughs> my face is a yawning void begging for beer. Uh, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this in a little bit, but I just got back from a wedding and uh i i did prove to myself that i am a beer void they just they just keep going in they just keep going <laughs> where do so they go many. the beer doesn't know. come out so i mean it's going somewhere <laughs> i'm pouring out yeah. a um woods and waters india pale ale from maine beer company got this from corks down in knoxville's old city and damn i'll tell you what it smells hoppier than a dang old rabbit farm. Ooh, buddy. I Maine Brewing Company, we've talked about a million times. Oh, man. I think the best uh, the best brewers on the East Coast. 
They're sure. amazing. I mean, they're they're not yeah. out there doing like wild stuff. Like they're not going to be doing your fucking peach ring, banana split, upside down no. cake Sunday no. stout. They're not doing stuff they like that. They are going like, to do like the definitive version of something. <laughs> that that yes. lunch IPA is a perfect IPA. Perfect. Yeah, it yeah. really, really is, man. Yeah, they're just putting normal stuff into beer and making it really, really, really fucking well. This thing is yep. awesome. Holy shit, is it ever good. Rad. It is dry and kind of bitter and kind of piney and funky, man. It's kind of like, it sort of tastes like whenever IPAs started getting popular and you'd have one and be like, yeah. wow, that is really hoppy and kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. tastes like that. Kind of like what they're supposed to taste like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, you know, that's that's the thing a lot of people hate about them, of course, uh, and and we both like that. <laughs> so oh, I like that. I guess, yeah. You, you really gotta like. I mean, because I I don't drink IPAs much anymore, but there are a good jillion out here in Portland, and I've had some really good ones. My favorite beer that I have found out here is Ten Barrel Brewing's Pub Beer, which tastes like uh, a Pabst. It's Tastes like amazing. beer, yeah, very beer. Tastes like beer. Yeah. You can get a six pack of of Tall Boys for like seven bucks. It's rad. I can't love complain it. about that, man. Yep. Can't complain. I can't complain about this at all. This is really fucking fantastic, man. It's just what I needed for another busy week over here in Ellerland. Just been working on a ton of projects. TCB, yep. baby. Just TCB. Oh yeah, TCB. Uh, the week has fucking flown by, man. How's yours been? Dude, I'll tell you. Um, as I said, I went went to a wedding this week. Um, oh boy, it was it was a blast. The wedding was a blast. We had um, we had plane tickets, you see, to to fly across the country, and I I had done a good bit of searching to just try to find ones that would where the times would work, you know, so that we could drop Salem off at the dog boarding place and still get to South Carolina in a respectable time and then also get back uh, quickly enough to be able to pick up Salem before they they closed the the boarding place. Uh, And so (laughs) I had booked us on a flight to Seattle and then Atlanta and we had a 30-minute layover so we land and we have 30 minutes to get to our gate. Oh, I hate uh, those. I hate those, dude. <laughs> I mean, luckily there were other people in the plane who were going to that exact same flight and it was like, okay, like they're not they're going to leave without all of us, right? Um and and we did like we we got our hustle on. We got over there like just in time as they started boarding. It was of course stressful. Uh and then, you know, we uh on the return flight we had like an hour at LAX, and again, like it, it's not fun. Those tight, those tight turnarounds, not fun. I don't recommend them if, no. if you're flying. Give yourself a little bit of time. Um, yeah, seems like every time I have one of those, it's in some like ginormous airport, like Houston or somewhere. Yeah, where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, we you have to, to like travel a mile yeah. in ten minutes to yeah. get to your next flight. <laughs> we were at fucking SeaTac and LAX, like two gigantic airports. It, Brutal. It was something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we made it everything, etc. cetera. Uh, we, we, we flew to Atlanta and drove cause Greenville's not that far from Atlanta and it was going to cost like so much more to fly there. And we still had to rent a car anyway. So we rented a car, drove from Atlanta, uh, got there pretty late, woke up the next morning. I, I, this was a wedding where I have just recently met the people getting met, married just, you know, over the past six months or so. And we've hung out a good bit and I liked them a lot and they're my friends. 
but I, I don't know their friends. I don't know their families. I don't know any of these people. I woke up and I walk upstairs where we're, we're all staying in this like Airbnb um, that, you know, it had like, I think five bedrooms or whatever. Uh, it was, it was nice. It was, it was cool. Uh, walk upstairs and they're playing D and D over breakfast. And I was just like, okay, I, these people I get. So they were Satan worshipers is what you're telling me. Yeah. They're Satan worshipers, right? Oh my God. You should have got the hell out of there about as fast as you could have. Well, I was trying, you know, listen, you know, me, I, me and Satan, we don't get along. I'm Jesus forever. <laughs> Me, <laughs> <Team> <laughs> I'm a born again Christian, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, immediately kind of like got the vibe of the people, and it was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be fun. The next day, like Haley had set us with all these like really cool nerdy people. Uh, got to meet like a lot of really awesome people, including uh, shout out to Carissa and Chris if they are listening, because uh, I, I met some big horror fans. So hopefully they're checking out Hi. the podcast right now. All right. But yeah, I, we, we had a great time. We fucking uh, open bar. It wasn't like, you know, elaborate, just a couple wines and a, and a, a Varsteiner. So I was slamming Varsteiners. <laughs> it was Hell great. Yeah. Uh, but the night before, okay, so we had we were at this party and we we're drinking. So we, we uh, get a lift back to the Airbnb and this guy shows up. And as soon as I open the door, I hear Deftones. And I was okay, like, oh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, rad. And he was like, oh, you like that? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do. I like, I like Deftones. And he was like, oh, what about this? And he, he put in uh, Acid Bath's first album, the one with the, oh, the uh, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> uh, and I was like, fuck yeah, I like it. And he was like, you want me to turn it up? I was like, yeah, turn it up. So we... <laughs> Break that acid bath. Yes. We are fucking blasting acid bath on a 30-minute uh, uh, lift ride back to our Airbnb. And at first, I was like, oh, I, I you know, because uh, Anna and Mike were in the back seat, and I didn't, I didn't know if they liked that type of music. Uh, but when we got out, they both were like, that was rad. <laughs> so it was the coolest lift ride I had in a long time. Five stars. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I gave him the old five stars above and beyond. That guy, that guy was the best. But yeah, we we had we had a blast. Like, really, just to, had some really good food. We were in South Carolina, went to a barbecue place. Um, it, it was great. It was really good, really fun time. Nice man. Yeah, glad everything went well. You know, sometimes those uh, cross country flights can end up being a little bit less than fun. So it sounds like everything ended up working out pretty well. It did, yeah. Everything actually just like went really smoothly with the flights. I did have my first instance of uh, ankle swelling after flight. I've heard of this, but it's never happened to me. Yeah, I, I mean, like you know, we flew uh, two flights there, and then drove for two and a half hours, and then you know, two and a half hours back, two more flights, and of course, it's a wedding, so you're eating a lot of rich food and like. I was drinking a lot of beers. Like I really slammed through those Varsteiners, um, and uh, I, I think that probably all contributed. But yeah, it was it was gone the next day. But it was weird because I like I could feel it like on the the final flight back home. I was like, my, my shoes feel tight. This is weird. <laughs> and then like when I got home, I looked and I was like, damn. Like they didn't look like huge. It wasn't like gigantic, but it, it was you know obvious swelling down there. So, man, why that, can't anything cool ever happen as a side effect? Like, how come it's never like, man, I took this really long, high-altitude flight, and by the time I landed, I had abs. Like, why can't <laughs> anything cool ever happen? Like, I grew a beard. <laughs> Nothing cool yeah. happens. So I was like, whoa, my ankles are now huge. 
the best longest erection I've ever had. Yeah. Like, like yeah, nothing cool all right. can happen. Come on. <laughs> no. No. Well, something kind you know, it can't don't you uh don't you get drunker easy, more easily in higher altitude? I mean, I don't know if it's that or the fact that I'm just like powering drinks down every time that I'm on a flight because it's just so fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't because I had to drive. Yeah, so I. Oh I, word. Yeah, I really wanted to. <laughs> like I was like when they were coming through with the card, I was like, I could just get, you know, like a Jack and Coke or something right now. <laughs> It'd be great. Hell yeah. Nope. Yeah. So it was awesome though. Had a good time. That's good, man. Glad you had yourself a good old time, dude. It's it's been eventful over here, man. Like we had a um, we had a skankbanger show the other day, like I said, and um, our our usual singer wasn't able to attend this show, and we knew this a couple months in advance. So oh, okay. I uh, I tracked down a backup singer that came highly recommended. It's this guy named uh, Derek Sibbett. He uh, sings in Nashville with a Dawkins tribute band called Under Lock and Key, which is a really fun <laughs> name. And uh, this guy came highly recommended, but, you know, just due to schedules and all that kind of thing, we couldn't do a rehearsal, we couldn't do a practice, we couldn't even fucking get together and meet before the show. So we met this guy at Soundcheck. And, dude, no rehearsal, no nothing. Didn't know any of us. This guy just showed up and murdered the show. Holy shit. I love that. Like, two and a half hours of, you know, high-range, virtuoso vocal shit. No uh-huh. rehearsal. Just killed it. He did so good, awesome. man. I love players that you can just show up with, and they just do the job, and they don't freak out because yeah. you haven't had time to practice or whatever. Like, I love that that feeling when you get on stage with somebody you've never played with before, and you're like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I can go on autopilot. This is great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that's definitely so great, good man. Show. Oh, it was killer, man. And the crowd is insane, too. But the same day of that show, dang old Darla, our little old girl that we got back in uh, mm-hmm. November of last year, dude, she, like, jumped on. It was like an outdoor um, outdoor chair. It was like a metal kind of grate chair, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Jumped up on there and, like, destroyed one of her dang old toenails. Oh, ouchie. I mean, destroyed it. Like, we thought maybe she had broken it because it was kind of like like the nail was kind of mm-hmm. sticking out all fucked off and it bled and stuff a mm-hmm. little bit. Ooh, but oh but no. she just, like, really, really, really destroyed the nail. So we had to take her into the vet. And, man, oh, my God, dude. It, it is brutal. It is brutal. It really is. Because they had to, like, trim the nail back so much and, like, remove the covering of the nail and it's just it's just horrible i won't even describe Dude, what it looks like it you're makes talking my about skin a crawl saw movie oh yeah, yeah. yes absolutely you just, like oh you just created dog saw yeah dog saw <laughs> okay now i want that okay because did you see the trailer for that like r-rated dog movie oh yeah yeah, yeah. will uh-huh. ferrell good boys or now, yeah okay if that can exist dog saw can exist i think you're right <laughs> And I think with Dog Saw, it's just like it's a hand holding a ball and it just won't throw it right. forever. <laughs> you're just like, oh, your tail's going fucking crazy. Yeah, that's torture, man. <laughs> I only point this out just to tell you guys, be really careful if your dog jumps up on anything that has a grate, like your deck furniture or anything like that. Just be really careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Salem has broken a, a nail before, but luckily it was not too deep. Uh, but it was a little bit of blood, and that is scary. And then they, you know, it's hard for them to walk. Poor little boogers, man. 
I That's know. Rough. It's just pitiful, man. So we've had to reset our this many days since an incident with Darla calendar that we keep at home. But otherwise, she's good, and we've had time to watch a couple of things, man. We uh, we decided the other day that we'd finally fucking get around to watching Godfather Part 2, because Kate and I have never seen Godfather Part 2. What? (laughs) I don't know how. Dude, like, Kate grew up watching, like, all kinds of gangster shit, and, like, she's known The Godfather for forever. I just watched it for the first time a few years ago. Um, But somehow, she hasn't seen the second one. And uh, But we decided to go ahead and, like, restart, and actually, on our anniversary, because it was our anniversary Uh day, we got ourselves some dang old fajitas, from El uh-huh. Saison, as is tradition, uh-huh. like we do. Okay. We had ourselves a, fa- fa- a fa- 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 fajita heast. Fajita feast. Fa- fa- fajita heast. I like a heast that. Of, a heast of heats. What? <laughs> do you smell burnt well, toast? I, I feel like I do, but it... Uh, yeah, great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched that dang old Godfather. And dude, we watched the original because it's been so long and we're trying to gear up for part two. Man alive, that first one is so fucking good. God damn it. Yeah. So good, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, second one is also very good. I've heard. I've heard that. I don't know. I've heard. Okay. All right. Yep. I've heard so, from a lot of people, people it's like even it better. Lot. Yeah. That, that, you know what? I might even say that. I might even agree with that. You might. I might and I do. Well, that's right. Yeah. Look at that right there. Well, I'll be the judge uh-huh. of that. We're going to try to watch the other one sometime this week, uh, and I'll report back with my findings there next time. And of course, we follow that up with what else would you follow it up with other than Muppet Treasure Island? Duh. Duh. Yeah, that's the best pairing Godfather and Muppet Treasure Island. Two of the best. <laughs> it's a delight, though. It is a really fun movie. It is. I mean, Tim Curry's killing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, somebody, somebody pointed out like in a in a, a tweet or something like that. They're like, you know, Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol is like acting like the other Muppets are other actors, but uh-huh. in Muppet Treasure Island, Tim Curry is acting like he's a Muppet <laughs> yep. instead of an actor. That's it. That is accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. good, man. It's a fun one. Uh, That's about all the time that we've had to watch anything this week, though, man. What about you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we we had a little time before we left and also a bunch of time on the plane to watch some movies. So, uh, watched Wayne's World. Excellent. Yep, yep. Party time, etc. Still holds up. Still Still a great fucking watch. So is the second one, man. Yep, we're we're definitely going to watch the second one. Um, Yeah. yeah. Fun time. Really good. Uh, Watched Grave Encounters, which is uh, a... It's like a found footage type of thing, but it is, it's a, it's like one of those ghost show, like haunting type of show okay. type of things. Like the premises like that. And it came out like 2011, whenever, you know, that stuff had been really popular and whatnot. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I like it. Like, um, there is some CGI stuff that's a little not great, uh, but that's, that's really brief. Most of the stuff is, is just really well done found footage. Um, nice. Definitely worth worth a watch. Uh, also, <laughs> we watched Batman because we're we're gonna be doing a Hell Rankers of the Batman franchise, and we really gotta get our nose to the grindstone to get through all fourteen titles. Jesus, um, yeah. But Batman nineteen eighty nine, hell yeah, so fucking good. Still, do you so want good. to get nuts? That is seriously like Michael Keaton is the best live action Batman. He's amazing, no doubt. Yeah, he's no fantastic, doubt. dude. Yeah, so and the best good. Bruce Wayne. Like he's 
But the thing, the thing, like we were talking about it because like Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton can't play a billionaire at this, at this point. Like he just can't. Like mm-hmm. he is too charming. He's too human. I was gonna say he's almost too likable to be Playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne. Like he's right. almost exactly. just too much. Like like I want to fucking hang out with that Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to hang out with the real Bruce Wayne. So he's maybe not accurate to say he's the best Bruce Wayne in adaptation of comic book, but I think I think he's definitely the best Bruce Wayne. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. Value. Yeah, because really, you're right. It's like he doesn't necessarily play that character, but at the same time, he is my favorite Bruce Wayne, as in the one yeah. I would want to spend time with. Right, and, and the only reason why I would watch that Flash movie, really, like, because oh, Michael yeah. Keaton. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I, I'll give it a chance. Probably not going to go to the theaters. Though that Blue Beetle movie, I, I love Blue Beetle as a character. I may go see that in theaters. Man, I thought the trailer looked pretty shot. I know, but I love Jaime Ray. Like, I really want to see if it, just because the trailer, I don't I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to trust it. Because sure. they always are wrong, um, but I, I I really want it to be good because I love that character. But yeah, it it could very well not be great. Mm. Um, okay, well I was talking about what I watched. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, so we uh, uh, you know on the flight uh, on on Delta we had a wide assortment of choices. Oh yeah. So of course I watched Megan again. <laughs> Megan again. That's what they should call <laughs> that, the sequel. Megan that's again. The sequel. Megan again. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I love that movie. It's still amazing. Uh, I did fall asleep uh, throughout it because I brought like so many uh, weed gummies with me. Nice. I was high, I was high the whole time. <laughs> I was high the entire time. It was great. Dude, um, I can't stay awake on a flight. I don't know if you know that about me, but dude, I really I fall asleep instantly on flights yeah it's like probably very annoying for like my wife and stuff that travels with me all the time but like i can't stay awake it is like there's fucking like uh, uh sleeping gas <laughs> in the plane right, or it, something well like i my problem is i can't fully sleep on a plane because I, I will fall asleep but then i wake myself up every time with a snore right every single time because i i cannot sleep without a machine that keeps me breathing uh, I will do well in the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Megan, still so fucking good. I had so Killer. much fun with it. Was laughing my ass off for the little bit that I was awake. Then I watched Nope again, and Dude. I have decided it is my favorite Jordan Peele movie. No kidding, you like it better yep. than Get Out. Yep, so fucking good. It's so fun. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, and interestingly enough, I was watching that. I look over at another guy's watching Get Out. So Jordan Peele's popular on airplanes. Killing it. That Delta game, man. Damn, Delta's got some fucking <laughs> good selections, huh? They really do, yeah. Because um, on the way back, I uh, I watched Lethal Weapon. Hell yeah. I forgot. You don't really think about how much nudity is in Lethal Weapon until Plenty. you're watching it on an airplane. Um, Dude, but talk about one also- of those things that weirds me out, man. Like, in this day and age where we've got so many fucking conservative people getting their damn panties in a wad trying to ban books and all kinds of other bullshit and succeeding in banning books, right. but you can still get on a Delta flight and see some titties and lethal weapon? It surprised Goddamn me that right, more people yeah. aren't mad about that. That's like, the I don't America give it. I, don't give a I shit. want. 
Yeah, <laughs> dude. Weapons to be playing twenty four seven on every airplane. Just the titty scenes. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, my I don't, I don't care whatsoever. But it weirds me out to think that like people aren't legitimately mad about that. Well, don't, don't give them ideas. Don't give them ideas. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Yeah. They don't need projects. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> Lisa yeah, Weapon's good, uh, though, dude. It's dark, God, isn't it? It's so good. And, and I think we were wrong because we, we, I think we did it like, is this a Christmas movie thing? And we said Lethal Weapon isn't. We're wrong. That movie's definitely a Christmas movie. It's pretty holly jolly, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's got, but it's also so fucking good. Yes, just so good. And it also made me want to watch the Lethal Weapon 5 episode of Always Sunny. Ooh. <laughs> because <laughs> it's so fucking... Like, I, I know that they took it off streaming because of the blackface, but, like, yeah. again, it's an entire episode about blackface. Like, the point was that blackface is bad and these guys are idiots. Right. They're terrible anyway. people. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. So, uh, also watched half of Sonic 2, Sonic the Hedgehog. You've heard of him? Um, I've never seen any of them movies, man. I don't know nothing about neither of them. I watched the first one. I was like, eh. But I was like, I'll give the second one a try. And I was like, no, I won't. Halfway through it, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't have to keep watching this, and I'm not going to. So, instead, I watched a documentary called Jurassic Punk, which is about... Um, uh, Steve Spaz Williams, who created most all the technology that made it possible for CGI to be a viable option for, for film. And, uh, you don't know his name cause, uh, other people took credit for his work. Because Biden didn't mention mm-hmm. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Honestly, they didn't mention it in the documentary, but I guarantee Joe Biden had something to do with it. He's, he's always up to something. <laughs> he was just trifling with this stuff back when he was 75 years old. When the stuff <laughs> when was he created. was a spry 75 year old in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's he's it's called Jurassic Punk because he's he's the one responsible for Jurassic Park looking the way it looks, uh, even though he did not get the credit entirely. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's responsible for the Terminator Two effects largely. Um, he's responsible for so many other things. And then, yeah, his career was kind of killed by the fact that his bosses didn't like him and he wouldn't play political games. Cause all he wanted to do was just make art. Um, and then, yeah, all the work that he did was bastardized into terrible CGI throughout the late nineties, early two thousands, 2010s and 2020s. Damn, dude. Well, it's cool that he's got this documentary to kind of like tell his story and shit. I need to watch this. I highly recommend it for Jurassic Park fans or T2 fans or whatever, but also just to get an understanding of CGI and its its history and, and intent because like... There, there is like, you know, there's, there's footage of like him having a debate with like people in the Screen Actors Guild about like, you know, whether or not actors should be able to be replaced by CGI, et cetera, and stuff like that. So like it's relevant conversations that even today we're still talking about because of AI and the, you know, the fact that CGI is, is so good now that they can just create a person and make it look like, you know, this this is this is a person hey here's a new actor 
made up person. Wow. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. But it also is like when you look at the dedication and and the the artistry. And of course, we've said we've done both T two and Jurassic Park that the effects still hold up. Like what are we thirty years later? The effects of those are still awesome. Yeah, the still CGI amazing. of those still amazing, and it, it never had to be bad. It was the studios taking this work and art and creativity and seeing it as a shortcut instead of a way to make better art and better films. They just saw it as a shortcut and a cheaper way. Mm-hmm. And that's why we got all the shitty CGI we got. So, you know, there, there's no reason why CGI has to be bad. No. Except uh-uh. for the fact that studios don't want to spend the money. They don't want to pay the creators and they don't want to, they don't really want to innovate as much as, you would expect uh, mm-hmm. that's that's something you find in that documentary is that he was trying to innovate always and being told by his bosses not to then doing it in any way and that being the thing that changed everything like he they would have not had any cgi in uh jurassic park at all uh other than just some stuff in the background wow. um and he was basically responsible for making so much of it cgi like stuff that you still probably think was the the large models is a lot of it actually was cgi and it's That's crazy insane. like it is so good like yeah I, so yeah i do recommend that and it's it's only like 80 minutes or so and yeah that guy deserves a lot of credit for for what he's done and you also get to see people like phil Tippett and and some others who are you know effects masters of themselves so like it's a really cool documentary. Definitely cool, check it out. Man. Well, it sounds like I really need to book a Delta flight just so I can watch this thing. Yes. Um, I need to find somewhere <laughs> that's at least 80 minutes away from me because otherwise right. I'll have to finish it on the way home and that'll be kind of disappointing. Yeah. It'll break the groove. So, I mean, it's a high it's probably, a high price to pay to watch a movie. It's probably the most I've ever yeah. paid to watch a movie, but it sounds like it's going to be worth it. I think you could probably fly to like Birmingham or something. Okay. Yeah, probably. probably about about an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, we, we did get back in time for Ice Cream Sunday, so we watched a movie called Creature, uh, which, I mean, it, ha- it had its it had its elements that I definitely liked, so I, I wouldn't say it's terrible. Definitely worth checking out if you like Creature effects. Creature, I barely know her. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. Just putting yep. that out there. Yep. All right. <laughs> Well, a productive week of watching indeed, and uh, we want to hear about whatever you guys have been watching over on our Facebook group, our Facebook hangout group that we got there. It's the only reason to use that godforsaken website, so hang out with your boys on there, share whatever you've been watching, things that we should check out, and uh, yeah, don't delay. Sign up today, right? Hey-yo. That's right. Now, Steve, this movie, what we're talking about today, The Voad. The Voad. It's got a little bit of a Hellraiser vibe at parts, does it not? It does. It does. It's 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 on that the vibration. Maybe not to the same extent of of depravity, etc. But it's mm-hmm. certainly got elements. It does indeed. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite a Hellraise. Maybe just a little, a little bit of a heck raise. Would you say? Heck raisers. That's right. <laughs> I, I honestly, <laughs> if there was a 
baby Cenobite cartoon called Hellraiser's. I'd Aww. watch the fuck out of that. Hellraiser babies. Great. It'd be adorable. <laughs> Could you imagine like Butterball as a little tiny baby? Uh huh. <laughs> yes, I can. He looks so like a adorable. little uh, like a little Michelin man or something. He'd be adorable. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, and like that lo- lo- little Chatterer. He's just. Tearing up those little binkies all the time. Oh no, he's he basically one. was a baby too. That's just such yeah. a weird lore yeah. thing. <laughs> you have you have that that one that smoked, but like you know, it's a baby, so it's a I guess like a pacifier, but it's got a pacifier in its throat. Oh, okay. This is adorable. <laughs> Write this down. Yeah. This is good. I love it. <laughs> Heck razors, the cine babies. babies. Oh the babies. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm watching that for sure. But, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people are (laughs) are looking for movies that have kind of that Hellraiser sort of flavor to them. So maybe we just talk about some of those you might want to check out here in that preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. Woo! We're talking about some dang old heck razors over here. Yeah, this movie is kind of... It's like, you know, a, a smattering of hell rays with a generous shaker sure. of cosmic horror on top, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A lot, lot of Carpenter in there. We'll get there. But yeah, it, it definitely gives Hellraiser vibes, for sure. Mm-hmm. It does. As does, like, let's say, an event horizon. What you know about that one? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah, that is a very fair comparison. Like, if you were to throw uh pinhead and the gang into event horizon like it, it they'd fit they fit right in and it would actually probably explain a, a lot of things right um, like it, yeah. it's so funny because we had that like lame ass you know halfway hell hellraiser in space movie that was uh, right you know part four of that franchise and then meanwhile that movie gave us oh no this is hellraiser in space for sure like you right. could have made some easy tweaks to that movie and just made it like, oh yeah, the limit configuration was on this other ship. We got to go find this other ship so I can get the box and open it and uh-huh. unleash, you know, the Hellraiser dimension. That could have been it, right? Absolutely, that that would have been really cool. But yeah, I mean, the Event Horizon we have is 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 pretty. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's Event Horizon is one of those movies that you always like more in concept than, or at least for me, in concept than me in too. actual viewing. Yeah, because the concepts are cool, and there's so much good imagery, but then the viewing is just like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Though Event Horizon is is a really good one. Um, another one that we've talked about uh, from Beyond. Oh yeah, the, we did that pretty uh, recently. Yeah, and that is of course based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, so it's not surprising that it would it would have some cosmic horror elements, which you know, uh, it never really struck me. Until we started talking about this, that Hellraiser is cosmic horror. <laughs> like it, it's it's uh, so much in that vein. Like it very much has uh, the elements of cosmic horror to it because they're extra dimensional beings and, and yeah. Whatnot. So and there's scuzzy uh, people in that universe. It just makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I th- I think. Uh, but from beyond has all those elements too. Like you got the you got the scuzzy people. The you know the. Uh, the sex element through the professor who's into to sadism. You got the uh, you know opening portals into uh, you know extra dimensional beings coming out, etc. Like that, that stuff is all right in line with Hellraiser. So yeah, if you had thrown in 
Like, if if you had thrown Pinhead into that movie, you could do it now and people would be like, oh, I forgot Pinhead was in this. Yeah, like, yeah, total guest star <laughs> appearance, right? It wouldn't have been yeah. far off at all. And again, like, that's that's like a little tweak where it's like that fucking, you know, that resonance thing that the doctor is, is fucking with in that movie. It's like right. maybe he just found a way to open a doorway to the to the sternobot dimension. Right, yeah. Yeah, like that's I mean, an that, easy twist. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, not that any of these movies need to be Hellraiser movies, but that is how you do that. <laughs> but they could. You mentioned a dang old Hellmaster. I don't know about him. Okay, so Hellmaster is it's a I think it's 89, 90-ish. Uh it's a it's a horror movie with John Saxon in it, and it's basically uh, a mashup of Hellraiser and Nightmare on Elm Street, it feels Ooh. like, with maybe a dash of Prince of Darkness in there. Um, Starring America's all, favorite cop dad or dad cop. Right, exactly. So it, it's, I mean, it's, it. we watched it on a screaming chat, and it certainly has some interesting elements to it. And maybe if I watched it in a different uh, context, I might like it more. It, but it, it felt like it was really swinging for something and, and kind of missed. But it does have so many elements, as I said, of, of uh, Hell Hellraiser as well as Prince of Darkness, which is another, you know, a Carpenter cosmic horror movie. So, oh yeah, I, I think that's like right in line with the Hellraiser vibe. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, man. As is like Baskin. If you've ever wondered, like, what? Oh yeah, what a Hellraiser vibe with a more international flavor might be like. Right? Yeah, even Baskin what on the show. Hellraiser? Yeah, uh, like long a time long ago. time ago, man. That was one of the yeah. early episodes of the show, and that was a goddamn weird movie. <laughs> really yeah. weird yeah. movie. Really weird movie, and 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 a lot of deep like uh, mythologies and stuff going on in there. But yeah, it's yeah, it's basically guys walking into hell and seeing uh, the type of stuff you'd see in a Hellraiser movie. Yeah, and so, a lot of the yeah, like, creature designs and stuff kind of reminded me of The Void. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. I I mean it's um it's one of those movies that like I I don't get the desire to rewatch cuz it's uh boy, it's something, you know. Boy, it is. Yeah. But when I do think about it, I'm like, man, that is a really really like dark good horror movie. Yeah, definitely memorable for mm. sure, man. Yeah. Um as um, is like a, a, a fucking Mandy dude. Like Mandy has total vibes Mandy, yeah. that kind of go along with all oh, this stuff absolutely. that we're talking about. Yeah, the biker gang is essentially Cenobites, right? And Daniel like, Black Skulls. Uh-huh. Yeah. I I think Mandy very easily fits into uh, a Hellraiser vibe because other than, you know, it being that, you know, Panos Cosmatos, like, just fucking neon, beautifully acid trip. interesting, colorful acid trip lighting and stuff. Like, uh, other than that, everything else going on is very Hellraiser-y. Like, the, the, the cult leader guy and everything, he kind of has that Hellraiser philosophy a little bit. I could easily see that guy opening the, the Lament configuration. Oh, for uh, sure. Willingly. Right? Yeah. While jamming one of his hit tunes. <laughs> one of his shitty songs <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a dang scooby doo having that vibe what are you talking about where are Dude, you steve where listen you? to me everybody hear me now that movie is written by james gunn it stars all the good people from the 90s 
including Matthew Lillard, just given a fucking performance of his life. But here's the thing. Go read. Don't don't like watch the movie yet. <laughs> well, actually do. Watch the movie. But if you have watched the movie, just go read the synopsis on Wikipedia. Because the synopsis of that movie will tell you that movie goes hard. <laughs> it's about fucking like... What? There's, there's like... Uh, demons and there's like a a, a a ritual and like a fucking cube thing and souls and all sorts of stuff being taken. It's it's wild and the whole time, like it doesn't feel dark. That's why, like I'm saying, you got to read the synopsis because when you read the synopsis, you're like, God damn, this dark as hell. But the movie doesn't feel dark at all. What the fuck? <laughs> yes, it's uh, James Gunn brought it for that movie. Not every, I mean. Not everybody likes that movie. It certainly didn't get the best reviews, but I, I think I think it's great. If you like Scooby Doo and you haven't seen the 2002 Scooby Doo, go watch that. It's great. It's real good. Um, but it, it does have Hellraiser vibes, like obviously on a different level. Obviously, it's hmm. it's like a silly movie, and it's like kind of aimed at kids. Uh, though Linda Cardellini as Velma, like oh yowza. Um, I, I definitely think like there's Hellraiser vibes to the 2002 Scooby Doo live action film. Shit, man! But you know it's nowhere near as heck raisin as our proposed untitled movie where John Cena plays Fuller from the Home Alone dimension and yeah. he pairs up with Buddy Cop, the mattress from Hellraiser that we proposed on the show. What? But two it's weeks covered ago? in piss. Yeah, but it's covered in piss now because. <laughs> He's fuller, so he lays on it and pees all over it because he's a piss freak. I got another detail I want to add into this. Are you yeah. ready? Okay. I think on the back of Fuller's squad car, he has a bumper sticker that says, better to be pissed on than pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he does? I think he does. I think, I think so. It's, a, it's an icebreaker. So you can be like, <laughs> get it. You get what I'm saying there? You know, because getting pissed on is a thing like, you know, not it's everybody great. not everybody wants it, but I, it's, it, I like it. It's, I like it. So do you want to, I got a mattress here, and you just piss all over me. <laughs> you know, keeping with the themes that we've had on the show here for a while, Fuller definitely turns um, Pepsi on purpose into another P.O.P., man. It's piss on purpose, you know? <laughs> Pepsi on purpose to pissing on purpose. That's what he does. I can see him making that face he makes when he's like thinking the eyebrow about raise. the bed. Yeah, yes. totally. Mm. Piss on purpose. He's just chugging that Pepsi being like, I can't wait to turn this into urine, he says. As John Cena, the cop. As John Cena. It, the real problem is going to be that we're not going to see where the piss is coming from because it's John Cena, you know? Oh, man, that is a problem, right? Yep. Yep. Damn, I didn't think about yep. that. The invisible well, stream. Hmm. We'll figure it out. Once that Make-A-Wish kid makes that wish. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah he'll take out. care of that for us, man. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, go back to our I Come In Peace episode <laughs> and check out the preview palace because we, we mapped out a whole uh, reason why John Cena would be in a movie with the mattress <laughs> from Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> playing Fuller from Home Alone. Trust us, it'll make Fuller sense. Home Alone and Fuller. I guess you do also need to know that Fuller from Home Alone is a piss freak. 
But you don't yeah. have to go back to the Home Alone episodes to listen to that. But you don't do that. But Here's your homework. Listen yeah. to both Home Alone episodes and listen to our Come in Peace episode. And then check back with us. Yeah, you can get this joke now. You're welcome. <laughs> That's, right. This is how now you that do you're comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do the homework to get the punchlines, right? It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Hellraiser 2022 could have been a Hellraiser movie. Yeah, it could have been a Hellraiser movie. Yeah, it had like a lot of the similarities. You know, they had the them like uh, crispy Cenobites, and uh, I think some stuff was happening in the dark there. I'm not sure. It needed sex and moisture. <laughs> Listen, the reason it didn't have sex because everything was so dry. <laughs> what we didn't know about Hellraiser 22, 2022 is that it was it's set in an alternate Earth that's much drier. Than, mm. than our earth mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and that includes pussies every pussy's dry mm, dude the, the yeah. shapiro verse right the shapiro verse yeah let's say hypothetically the entire world was dry mm. take that liberals mm. <laughs> fuck i just got pwned damn my feelings am i the first person to say pwned in like 20 years probably yeah yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go with yeah on that one yeah yeah. You did it with, with pride and honor, though, so I respect it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to represent my elder millennial roots. <laughs> you mentioned Silent <laughs> Night, Deadly Night 4. I don't know that one. Yes. Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, which I won't I won't reveal too much, but I will say this. If you're thinking, oh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, I saw that. That's about that guy who's uh, got a real complex about Santa. Well, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 is not that, and it has nothing to do with Santa. And there's, like, a cult, and they're trying to, like, put a put a weird, like, creature baby into a woman. And uh, and the whole time, uh, you got a uh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Oh, crap. Opie's brother. Um, God, that guy. Ron Howard. Clint there Howard. He is. That's right. Clint Howard, yes. Rughead yeah. from The Wraith. It's... It- it is a weird fucking movie, and it feels like uh, one of the Hellraiser movies in particular. I can't remember which one it was, but it's a, about an investigative journalist like going into an underground like uh, subway cult thing. Uh, anyway, it kind of feels like that. It, it's very much like I think it may be Inferno. I'm not positive, but um, it's very much like that Hellraiser movie. So it very much has that feel. Hmm. Of, of Hellraiser. That sounds really fucking weird. Also, it just really struck it me as, as strange why we've made this entire segment kind of Hellraiser themed, but it's like, really, all these movies kind of resemble The Void, probably more right. than resemble <laughs> Hellraiser. probably what we should be talking about. I think we should be calling Razors it like... Hellraiser's was uh, such a good idea. <laughs> it, you know what? The title sells the entire thing. Um, this is like Void... Uh, 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 very, very void. So, I, you know very what? Very void. Here's what you should yeah. do. You should go okay. through, and um, as you're editing the show, every, ta- every time we say the word Hellraiser, you should just dub in the void. Just <laughs> dub it in every time we say it. The void. And it'll be more relevant, right? The void. I have to say it like that, too. The void. The void. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I am a it'll make sense, you know? Absolutely. Everybody will get it then. And of course, this movie right here is an 
Voide from 2016. And dude, I remember whenever this movie came out, there was a lot of hype going into it because of the way this entire thing came together. And Uh I was super, super stoked to watch it. And I remember checking it out and being like, man, there was some really cool looking stuff. I think I'll understand what it's about next time I watch it. And (laughs) this time I just watched it was the next time that I watched it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I had seen it a couple times before cause I watched it and then, uh, I got, uh, Emily to watch it cause I, cause I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I felt the same. I wasn't fully, I wasn't sure I fully understood the entire story the first time I watched through, but it was gorgeous and I enjoyed it. So like it, it, it didn't bother me. Um, and watching it through for the show and, you know, trying to follow the whole story, it's like, Oh yeah, it's all there. Like the story's there and it all makes sense. It's just not It's not it's not clear. They could have done mm-hmm. a little bit more to clarify some things. Though I mean there there's a line where you're respecting your audience and then there's like once you cross a certain point, you're, you're it's no longer respecting the audience, it's keeping them in the dark. Like you're not you're not fully revealing enough or in mm-hmm. a way that that they're going to get it so easily. Right. And so, like, you know, there's always types of movies where it's like, oh, you got to watch it twice, you know, because it, it, it's a different movie when you watch it the second time. This one, you got to watch it twice to get it, like, to understand fully what's happening, um, which isn't a great thing. But once you do get what's going on in the story, it's like, oh, this is, this is like, a really good, interesting story about grief and loss and how it affects people and how people will go to the ends of the earth and, and become a completely different person because of, of grief at, mm-hmm. at the loss of another person. Um, so like there's a lot of depth there, but yeah, I think anytime, I mean, maybe some people get it the first time through, but most people probably the first time through were just like, yeah, that looked cool. Cause the practical effects are so fucking cool. They're the, so dope, dude. Yeah. They're so just so much cool. great visual imagery. The, the cult is fucking that, that whole cult is iconic as hell. The way they're Agree. like standing out there and the, the, they're lit by the, the lights of the police cruiser and they're all standing there like with that knife out. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that's the, the so black cool. triangle kind of eye hole yeah. thing that they have, which yes. is probably not conducive to like a lot of action now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. It's probably not like that's probably why their, their only method seems to be run at you and stab you. Yeah. Cause yeah. <laughs> they don't have a lot of peripheral vision. <laughs> no, it's definitely holding him back. I think, you know, definitely uh-huh. holding him yeah. back. Yeah, for sure. It was kind of different watching this movie too. Uh, for the second time, knowing that it's by our cats that made fucking Psycho Goreman. Yeah, yeah, uh, Steve like, I watched it the first time, then I watched Psycho Goreman and fell in love with all these dudes, and then I watched this again, yeah. and I was like, oh, I can actually kind of see some of the character design and vibes yeah. from PG in this. For sure. Absolutely. 100%. And, and like... I I love that. Like I have seen some other Steve Kostansky movies now. I've seen Man Borg and the editor and stuff, and I've seen this, and of course, uh, segment in ABCs of Death Two and all that stuff. Like uh, this is uh, Steve Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie who have worked together as Acton Six with several other people for a long time. Um, and this this movie is an attempt at making something serious, like because most of the, everything they've made has been you know comedy largely uh even though it 
you know, like Psycho Gorman has has that like great serious side to it that just yeah. keeps getting like interrupted by Mimi. I love that. Uh, so they can clearly do the serious stuff. Um, and and this movie is like, like it it doesn't have any humor really does it like i mean a little like whenever you've got the the intern nurse who's like oh do you know what degloving is and she's like grossing out that uh, patient yeah, okay, and kim, yeah kim is funny kim. yeah you're right kim is funny uh other than that yeah there's not a lot like there's not a lot. this is very much like a hellraiser movie in that there's not a lot of brightness not a lot of good people a lot of gray people uh i'd say you know kim that grandfather and, and Simon, the the son, all seem to be largely just innocent and and uh, you know forces are acting on them. Yeah. Uh, you got, of course, the nurse, the uh, cop's wife, who did nothing wrong and had like just the word like she lost a baby and this doctor is now like putting this crazy fucking extra dimensional being like fucking wild ass tentacles and shit coming out of her. Like that's a rough turn. Of know, events. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, her arc is tragic. Like her, her yeah. arc is very tragic. And that's, that's like, again, like it's got that good cosmic horror element to it where there's not a lot of hope. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like in, in these types of stories like really bad stuff happens to people that's kind of yep. part of the yep. entire style yeah. and this fits uh-huh. in really well with that it's not exactly yep. a movie where you have a knight in shining armor that saves the day and nope. defeats the bad guy like that's not how yep. these stories work like I, I saw a lot of people's complaints about this kind of centering around that where it's just like god it's so bleak and it's like I don't feel like the good guys won in the end and all that jazz. And I'm like, dude, have no. you read a lot of cosmic horror <laughs> shit? Because right. they check don't out, end check happy. Check out some cosmic horror. They, they certainly are nihilistic. And I think this does a, a better... I think what this movie does and what they were setting out to do because um, they were working a floor below... Um, uh, Guillermo del Toro, while he was in the process of making at the the mouth uh, at the mountains of madness, the hmm. the Lovecraft adaptation that that ended up not happening, uh, oh. he, he heard uh, Guillermo del Toro talking about how he wanted to make a Lovecraft adaptation that was n- like no other Lovecraft adaptation, and that kind of got them thinking, like, well, what would that look like? Like, how would that? You know, how would you play that out? I mean, do you think think, that all that he meant was just like, what if somebody made a Lovecraft adaptation that wasn't kind of (laughs) racist? Maybe that's all he meant. (laughs) Well, this one certainly uh, uh, meets that, I I think. I, I don't. I don't know of any. I mean, the bad guys are are dudes in white hoods and robes. Right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a bad. Yeah, look they're for them. they're clearly the bad guys. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, this this does have, um, it has something that Lovecraft didn't really deal with a lot. Um, it has uh, themes outside of racism. Um, it it, <laughs> it is dealing with grief and, and yeah. loss and coming to accept and and coming to to peace with with things and i i think it does i mean the ending is bleak but also bittersweet because there is like that indication that they have now come to terms 
with losing their child. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the only real moment of closeness that we get from them in the movie is when they right. hold hands there at the very end after yeah. you know, they have now consigned themselves to living in this interdimensional void, void yeah. I guess probably forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing they're not like going to catch a taxi back or whatever, yeah. Uh yeah, so it's still bleak as fuck, but <laughs> it does try to do something. It does try to give some hope. It tries to uh, explore deeper themes about emotional subjects. I mean, it, it certainly got me emotional a few times. There's some real tough scenes in there and some real rough stuff Sure, uh, that are dealing with things that you don't normally see in a Lovecraft adaptation. Of course, this isn't a Lovecraft adaptation, but uh, that, that was what they were setting out to do, something that would feel like the cosmic horror of Lovecraft. But I guess really here, have emotion, have have something more to it than just madness. Yeah, a little depth to it because you're right. It's like it doesn't just deal with solely those themes of losing your mind and cosmic uh insanity yeah. and shit like that. Like I feel like there is a lot of themes in this movie about, you know, loss and acceptance and trying to fight things that have happened or just trying to accept them and move on. Um that's definitely yeah. a central theme through this. And and that's something that we see through the entire movie is that somehow all these people that have been drawn into this hospital and this crazy plot by this doctor and this cult. Uh, uh, P.S. Uh, spoilers. Uh, if you don't know already, oh, yeah. we're talking about the movie. <laughs> Hope you've seen it. Uh, all these people that end up involved in this, it, it kind of turns out that everybody has experienced some kind of of tragic loss along the way. And, you know, one thing that seem to confuse a lot of people is like why our our main protagonist here danny you know keeps having these visions he has these crazy visions of the void and shit throughout the movie i kind of got the impression that i think the void itself can kind of sense people who are experiencing loss i think it can reach out to them and maybe even try to start manipulating them into its into its web so to speak yeah i mean like we're talking about uh, loss, which is a profound sense of emptiness. It's a void. I mean, it's a void, it's, right? Yeah, like so. Yes, the void is calling out to him. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It's 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 it is calling out to these people who've experienced tragedy and loss, and it's also calling out to this cult who is creating the tragedy and creating the loss uh, in some of their lives, like. It is interesting. Like, uh, it. I mean, it seems to be representative of just the the void that so many people feel in their lives. That emptiness, that need to fill with you know whatever it it is, whether it's you know entertainment or drugs or you know uh, uh, people or pain or whatever it is you're into that you're you're seeking to fill that void. CrossFit. And, CrossFit, sure. Mm -hmm. You like to join uh, cults that are going to destroy your ankles and your <laughs> and your shoulders. Great, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I think that it does such a great job of exploring those things, but I think it, it's 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 missing something that would make those things just a little clearer on first viewing. Okay, yeah. like. I'm not really sure what would do that because I don't want I don't want more exposition. I don't need that. But it because I don't want to know 
what the cult is about. I don't want to know what the Black Pyramid is. I don't want to know where they are. I yeah, love totally. that I don't know. That's kind of um, anti-cosmic horror if you explain right. all of that stuff away. Like, there's clearly right. all kinds of weird stuff and history and you know connections with these people and stuff going on that the movie never divulges to us. And I personally right. am very okay with that. Yeah, I I much prefer that to uh, just being told, you know. Uh, but I I do feel like that that desire to not you know be telling to do the showing. There, there needed to be something to show us a little bit more earlier on so we could connect with somebody, maybe. I mean, I bet I think the person we really are meant to connect with is Kim uh, because she's just like, what the fuck is going on? I am yeah. unaware. I do not get this shit. I'm going to hide. <laughs> oh, dude, there's totally <laughs> like, another cut of the movie where she's like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, like, because... Because everybody else is, yeah, they're they're so like it, it starts immediately, like it, perfectly in media res with fucking the our two guys Victor and Simon the the father and son we find out later, um, killing that woman uh, by setting her on fire <laughs> like it, it, it's off and running and then of course, uh, you know, not ten minutes later we've got shit going down in the hospital with the the nurse stabbing a guy so like it really just moves the movie is moving 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 dude um, for real like that's something i really keyed into this time is like the entire movie kind of feels like the third act of some other story yeah yeah it, it is like paying off like crazy from the beginning uh but yeah we're we're kind of we're kind of just thrown into this and we're trying to figure out what's going on. And a lot of stuff doesn't get revealed until much later of what's actually going on. You know, we're finding out that this couple, this main couple, uh, use, well, they're not a couple. They used to be together. They, uh, have broken up because of, uh, a loss of a child. I guess, you know, that drives people to break up a lot. Uh, I guess to, to eliminate any reminder of that terrible thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is sort of established, but we don't, we don't figure out anything about the father and son until way later. Uh, the doctor really becomes revealed about midway through and we're starting to understand what's going on with him. We don't know anything about what's going on with that pregnant girl until right near the end. Um, it, it really is like, very slowly revealing stuff which can work but for some reason with this movie like i'm the first time i watched it just like you i was like i'm not getting what like the story is exactly like i I know that crazy shit's going down Mm -hmm. and and they're they're fighting it um but watching it again and really getting all the beats it's like oh yeah there's a there is a real deep rich story here but it there's, it's just missing something so that on first view, you can get it, you know? Yeah, 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 I agree. And, and, you know, it's like you said, it's such a fine line because there's movies out there where you're like, oh, yeah, you'll need to watch it a second time to really, really get it. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. That makes it even better. Right. And right. then there's movies where it's just like, ah, you need to watch it a second time to understand what's going on. I don't really know what the line is there for me, you know? Like, what what is the line exactly with this kind of movie 
But I, I did enjoy it more this time around and pick up yeah. on more mm. of those those character arcs that we see um, with you know some of these characters dealing with their losses, going through these changes and stuff like they do through the story. Um, I did appreciate that more this time around. Yeah, me too. I, I really did get way more into it, and it definitely had much more of um, impact on me. Yeah. I, um, I think that, like, the influences of this movie are pretty pretty obvious if you if you know carpenter yeah <laughs> um, oh there's, for sure. there's a lot of the thing uh prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness his apocalypse trilogy um, definitely yeah mouth of movie. madness vibes for sure i i agree with all that man like a lot of the the creature details and stuff are very thingy even it kind of being a bottle movie where everybody is uh-huh. kind of stuck in this one location and there's these you know yeah. hideous beasts uh, among them and stuff is very thingy yeah. but at the same time kind of those cosmic horror elements to me are very as you said prince of darkness and in the mouth of madness uh-huh. yeah uh, i mean I get the a nurse lot of that cutting here. her face off is like very clearly homage to the woman cutting her face off in, in prince of darkness i feel dude like. i forgot uh, that that happened in this that yeah nurse bev is just suddenly like pulling scissors out of that dude's fucking eyes and she's cut her own face off and get shot by danny like i forgot that that happened at all yeah. also a cab i mean i know she turns into a monster but he didn't know that she had a pair of scissors he shoots her come he, on he could have at least done like a kneecap shot or something right like he totally shoots to kill well, like immediately I mean, it's scissors and he's much bigger than her he could easily I mean, come on. I, I, I don't want to get stabbed with scissors any more than the other person, but nobody needs to die over it. Mm. Uh, anyway, she does turn into a monster, so he's kind of justified there, but the movie doesn't actually give him a pass because the, the state trooper is clearly like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, why did you shoot this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and yeah. especially because like, they keep bringing up that his dad was such an upstanding cop. That was kind of right, a, a, yeah. a thread that I was trying to figure out in the movie, too, is like, why do they keep bringing up his dad and what a good cop he was when I don't feel like living up to familial standards is necessarily a part of this narrative that they're giving me here? Well, yeah, I think it's just to establish that he he's not, he's not exactly a good guy. <laughs> like, he isn't. Like, he... He can poor James played by played by um, the guy who plays Rold in Letterkenny, uh, Evan Stern. He does does a great job. Uh, poor James, if you pay attention to the movie, this is just a guy who likes smoking meth. Yeah, he didn't do anything <laughs> wrong, but they get him killed. He tells them everything they need to know. They don't need him anymore. They get him killed for no fucking reason, dude. That this story from like James's perspective. <laughs> is absolutely it's, that's true bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like he, he, he totally goes from like, the fat to the frying pan yeah. or the fire to the fucking what do they yeah. say from the skillet to the oven the isn't that what they say the fire yeah that's from it. the that's skillet to the oven that's what they meant <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah he his story is he gets kidnapped by this cult who make him watch as they do all these fucked up experiments to these people and then he finally begins to escape his friend gets murdered and burned alive and then these two guys are chasing him down to kill him yeah 
all he did was some meth. This man does not deserve to die. And then our cop character is a fucking dick to him. And he's the one yeah. who like handcuffs him and makes him go in front of him. Like, and I, then I, he, he thinks he's doing everybody a favor by like scalpeling to death the leader of the cult. And he gets in trouble for it. Yeah, he gets in trouble for it. It's crazy. Like, poor James. That guy did not deserve anything to happen to him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He just yeah, wanted I, to do I, some I, meth and have a good night, you know? Yeah. I think he's a good, like, Lovecraft-type character, though. He's a good yeah. cosmic horror character, because that is exactly the type of story you would read in, in cosmic horror of a person who, yeah, seems to escape a cult and ends up in an even worse situation <laughs> when they run into normies. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a bad it, situation that, that, for sure. Yeah. There, there's definitely like, you know, a, a lot of characters who who get the shaft in this. Like poor Bev, uh, poor uh, Cliff. I think was the name of the patient. Like all, all these the poor the poor grandfather. Oh, all these yeah. people are just good people. Didn't do anything wrong. There's no reason why they should die. They just terrible things happen to them. Yeah, dude. And that's something about this movie that I really caught this time too. That I thought made it. Pretty interesting, and also, in a way, kind of like a Lovecraft story like you've never seen it before, in that, right. like the way that I feel about this movie is that, you know, if Lovecraft wrote this, the Doctor would have been the main character. Like, the Doctor yeah. in this yeah. is the main character in a Lovecraft story, right? but yeah. mm-hmm. this story puts the camera on all the people that are getting swept up in all this bullshit. Like, right. the, our, yeah. our cop that we follow, Danny, through this, he's like an NPC in this universe, but we're following yeah. his side of things, which I think is right. actually pretty fucking cool that you have the perspective yeah. in this cosmic horror story about the guy that isn't some depraved maniac that's trying to tap right. into other dimensions of uh, pain and uh, uh, immortal suffering and all that shit. Like yeah. he's, he's just some fucking cop. <laughs> and he's not so much a hero as the last man standing. Like, yeah. he And he really is, he's fortunate in that Powell, um, who is such a great fucking villain because he is so egotistical he's and good. he needs of an audience and he needs people to know what he's doing and how great he is for having done it and whatnot. Like he he um he was he's basically being set up as well obviously he's going to fail at the last minute, and our story then focuses on the person who makes that happen. Yeah, just the last man standing. He's not a hero. He's not fully a protagonist, really. Like, I mean, we're not rooting for him entirely. We no. do want him to stop this, but we want anybody to stop. We don't care. Any of these people could do it. If Kim did it, we'd all be excited. But everybody else, it's like I don't give a shit. Um, maybe Simon. Maybe if Simon did it, it, would have this like big hero arc to it. But it, it doesn't. It, it, he's supposed to, like, he's the cop. He's supposed to be the one who puts himself in danger and fights the baddie, right? So yeah. he's not even, like, he's not even developing uh, as, as, as a character in his, in his, like, own sort of, you know, trope class of, of cop hero. He, he just is the last man standing. And that, that, that's interesting. I love that idea of, like, as you said, an NPC, like the NPC perspective of all this madness. Yeah, totally. It makes it interesting. And again, it is a different way to tell this kind of, uh, of cosmic horror story, which involves all these 
absolutely fucking insane creatures and stuff, which is exactly what you expect when a bunch of special effects guys crowdfund people into letting them make a movie, which is how this entire yeah. thing well, came about, okay. which is amazing. So they they crowdfunded the creature effects. The movie That's was awesome. was uh, yeah standard uh, funding. They they just you know went through regular financiers and stuff. But the crowdfunding the creature effects is basically saying like. Hey, how good do you want our practical effects to be in this movie? Yeah, horror fans said real good. <laughs> real fucking good. Here's $82,000. Please make it real fucking good. And, and guess dude, what they honestly, did? They made it real fucking good. <laughs> the fact that they did all this for 82k, that's fucking impressive. It is in and it's a situation where uh, Steve Kostansky and, and Jeremy Gillespie both work, you know, uh, as uh, effects and, and art department stuff on other projects and they were working on suicide squad oh. uh the, the david ayers one um mm-hmm. and they they you know were able to get help from people uh on their effects team uh through you know the money that they they had from the 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 funding uh and and that meant you know basically they've got these you know big budget effects team working on it for you know the the money that they have, which means you're going to end up with some high quality stuff, and they did. They ended up with amazing quality stuff. Oh yeah, dude, and they know how to shoot it. Is the thing too? Like there's, you know, there, I don't know. I'll put it to you this way: there is always that vibe in this where you're like, I'm watching a person in a rubber suit. Like you never for a second think to yourself, "Wow, they summoned an extra dimensional being." Like you know, it's an effect watching this huh but at I the same time at all <laughs> but but it's so endearing <laughs> I, to me you know like at the same time to me like it, it's one of those things where i watch it and i'm like oh my god they put a person in a suit rather than cg that draws me in instantly because i know this thing is real i love it i i mean i agree with you that putting a person in a suit is awesome but i never i don't know to me it just never i never thought like that's a person in a suit to me it was like oh god it's an eldritch horror. <laughs> yeah, it's never as like Power Ranger Z as like Psycho Goreman is on purpose, of course. I yeah, I don't know what you're. I guess I don't know what you're saying. Did we watch two different movies? I didn't at any <laughs> moment. Like, I really didn't. I don't know what you're saying. Like it, I yeah, they just look like big ass monsters that are real to me. They they very are like, especially the Sarah demon thing at the oh, end. Oh, so like, sick! Oh my gosh, so good. I yeah, love I'm, that I'm thing. just like I am. Yeah, full suspension of disbelief watching it to me. Like the the effects are just so perfect. Like, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, it is a person in a suit. I mean, you're right. <laughs> that Hell is yeah. what it is. Uh, but to but me, it's it, like that just, just like adds in that, on it. that extra layer of, of of realism of depth that you don't yeah. get when you could have just taken the the easy way out CGI. and made this bullshit yeah. CG. Like imagine if they had yeah. dumped 82K into CG. It would have looked Ugh. like fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. No. Yeah, no, it, it's it's it, and it also just it's shot very well. Like it, yes. it is a very gorgeously shot movie as I said, like so many great images like the cult out there lit by the the cops lights etc oh but the like, giallo light dude i love uh, that shit so cool. man 
And there's so it's many so parts cool. in this too, like whenever they're down in the basement with like all the the failed horror creatures, and it's uh-huh, all uh-huh. lit by that like red flare light. But then uh-huh. the other characters that are elsewhere are lit by this cool blue light, and you kind of have this uh-huh. scene shifting back and forth, and it's almost like yeah. It's kind of like searing your eyeballs going back and forth between the two different styles right. of lighting, but they're complementary yes. at the same time. It's so sick. Yeah, I dig it. And, and speaking of those creatures in the basement, the design is so cool. That that one that is clearly trying, like, because as he said, he he experimented on the, all these people, and they all clearly want to die. They got you got the one that is just fucking headbutting that pipe. Like it just, just drilled a, a hole through its own head. In it, yeah, no, like and it can't die, and that is so cool. And then yeah. also, that is a new way the kids are saying to suck a dick. Head headbutt that, that pipe. Pole. <laughs> pipe. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Headbutt that pipe. <laughs> That's I brutal. I say the kids though. are doing it. I'm trying to get the kids to do it. I'm okay, like, hey, yeah. kids, it's gonna catch on. Say headbutting that pipe, and they're like, "Mister, leave us alone. We're fine." <laughs> they still got the high <laughs> voice, them kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, man, that is so sick. Whenever they go down into that basement, and there's all those fucked up, failed experiment creatures. Yeah, that have just been living down there forever. Too. And I guess they're they're like the ones that uh, uh like accidentally started that that fire that you know yes. partially burnt that hospital down which is why they're having uh-huh. to move and shit like that like i kind of wonder how that happened if one of them just maybe left like uh like a pot of like a uh, uh, beanie weenies on the stove for too long because it's hungry probably and it. yeah <laughs> went off to monster and you know it was probably the one with the gigantic hole in its head because that know, would probably be why it, yeah 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 it would make you forgetful i think if you had a gigantic hole in your head yeah, there's probably a lot of different yeah. ways to become very accident prone when you've been, you know, trying to impale your head through a pole for <laughs> probably years. I don't listen. If you've been trying to impale, if you've been trying to <laughs> impale your head on a pole for years, you might be dead as hell. <laughs> you might be a sternobot. You might be a sternobot. That is what the, again. That is what. They remind me of, I say they remind me of Baskin. They also remind me of, of Cenobites because they all got their own unique designs and things. And yeah, I, I, I could easily see the, the hole in the head guy fitting right in with Pinhead and the pals. Yeah, dude. Oh man. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it is. And, and I love it. I, I like that scene is just so deliciously fucked up. This movie really is that I would say that. Because this is a fucked up movie that is dark and nothing really good happens for anybody. Uh, but I can still watch this like any time. Right. Like it doesn't make me feel dirty. It doesn't make me feel bad. Um, I like that about it. Yeah. And like you said, it does just look really, really cool. They get really creative with uh, the yeah. way that they shoot a lot of those things and the lighting and all that jazz, man. It is, it is really fucking sick. And there's some great tension in this movie, too. That's something that yes. I really appreciated about it. I mean, like you said, the movie kind of starts off in fifth gear anyway, and it just kind of keeps going. Like, whenever we get that scene yeah. where the cultists have surrounded the hospital, the the father and the son that we saw murdering people in a house earlier in the movie bust in fully armed trying to come after james while they're also trying to you know uh, uh contain monster bev in that hospital room where she just murdered this patient and is turning into a tentacled monster it's like so there's cool. so many fires <laughs> going on at the same time it's really tense and really well done 
Yeah, yeah. Everything's just coming to a head, and it's so early. Like, it, it is, as you said, it feels like the third act. Like, you're just, like, slamming you right into it. Uh, and you said in the pre-production that it feels almost like uh, it's the last episode of a miniseries. Yeah, right? And I kind of, I would love that miniseries, I think. Like, I, I wouldn't want it to explain everything or anything. I just want to know, like, I want to see the cult doing its cult shit. I yeah, do dude. not want to understand it. I just want to see the visuals. Yeah, I just want to see more of it. More strange, unexplainable, weird right. shit. Do you think that there's a possibility that there's a reading of this movie where the entire thing is a dream of Danny's that he's had while he's working his sleepy-ass, boring shift yeah. in his tiny-ass town I, on the side yep. of the road? And this entire yep, thing I, is like a manifestation of his right. you know, depression about losing this kid and losing his wife yep. and... I think there's a way that you can look at this movie where the entire thing is just his dream, where, you know, the yep. doctor, this guy that was supposed mm-hmm. to help them deliver their baby and bring it into this world, turns into yeah. this monster, and everything is about loss and grief and, and all that kind right. of shit. I think there's a no, reading I of the think, movie where that happens. I think, absolutely. I did think that on my last uh, viewing, like, oh, he just woke up. That may, it's may be a dream. This right? may be a dream. Uh, I mean... The opening being exterior to his dream doesn't make it not a dream. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, you can dream about stuff that you're not in. Yeah. Um. So, I yeah, I think that's a possibility, and it it, it kind of then like signals his sense of unimportance. Like he's a cop, probably be, like most cops became a cop to feel important, to feel mm-hmm. in power, uh, and he clearly isn't in control and. You know he's he's lost uh, a child and his his uh, partner. Uh, yeah, I, I think you can see this as a dream, and it is just him, like you know, in, in a lot of you know, because like some the way that the basement is set up and the way that like uh, it, it, you know, it's a it's a, a sub basement that didn't exist before. Like it's like I, I was in the hospital, but it was like a lot of it was shut down. But then like. There was a basement, yeah. And like I was walking around the basement, and there was like all these weird rooms and these weird people. Like, yeah, it's very dreamlike, right? That's kind of the vibe that I get out of it too, for sure, man. But that's kind of the cool thing about this is like whenever you, whenever you have you know cosmic horror as kind of your starting point for your your story. In I think in some ways good and in some ways bad, it can become this really great wall or, you know, security blanket to hide behind where you're like, oh, this thing doesn't really make much sense, but cosmic horror, madness, dude, insanity, yep. you know? Absolutely. Interdimensional, incomprehensible uh-huh. things. It's kind of right. like, yep. what movie was it that we were talking about? I think it was like The Love Witch or something where we were talking about that uh-huh. presentational acting style where it's like, well, it's right. not supposed mm-hmm. to be good. And it's like, well, okay, so you kind of defanged <laughs> my critique of the acting not being good by doing this right. style where the acting's not supposed right. to be good, right? Right, yeah. No, but yeah, the, yeah, cosmic horror covers a lot of, of faults for sure. I don't think this script has uh, that many faults um, mm-hmm. to cover, but I, it, you're right that you can use all of those excuses in cosmic horror, like especially like... This, I mean, on first viewing, this honestly just doesn't make a ton of sense. And 
that easily can be the explanation there. Just like, oh, yeah, it's just, oh, it's madness and crazy or whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's whatnot. But when you do, when you do sit down and you're really like, okay, what is happening? What are the stories here? One story is two, a couple lost their kid. They, they uh, separated. They're both sad. Uh, they're, they're dealing with loss and depression. There's a man who lost his daughter. He's so sad that he has explored the depths of the universe to find a way to bring her back. There is a, a cult that is out killing people, including the wife and uh, child of this father-son team. There is also a young girl who is pregnant and about to give birth, and her grandfather has brought her to the hospital all those things going on at once like it it it's hard to fully grasp each of the individual stories and untangle them but when you do it's it's good it, it yeah. is about characters dealing with tra- tragic loss and 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 how do you overcome and and like like the father son thing is so uh poignant about how this father is putting the blame on his son for the loss of his his uh you know wife and and child but really like what was the son supposed to do like he clearly shouldn't be to blame but he's putting it on himself and so he's just like doing everything his dad says even when he doesn't really agree with it. And then he starts to kind of rebel from that. And that leads his dad to, you know, fully lash out and say the thing he's been wanting to say that his son's to blame. Like that, that's all so deep. It's a deep relationship. And you really do hate Vincent for most of the movie. Cause mm-hmm. he's a dick. He's yeah. a dick to everybody. And then you learn all this and you're like, Oh, Oh, like I get it I get why he sucks because he's to him he's like he's right he's you don't know which one of these is gonna turn into a monster just kill them all like right yeah. that's his he's just fucking I gotta end this type of guy um and so you gotta get him more and you also get that fucking the tragedy of poor Simon there just like all this blame from his dad that just shouldn't be there but he he's taking it on and accepting it and really just has to work. And he's literally voiceless and finally, in the process. And too. he's voiceless. Yeah. His dad, his dad, like it, it's such a cool sort of like or a cool sort of idea that not only has his dad taken away his voice by putting this blame on him, but he, his voice has actually been taken away by these cultists. So he did in fact do something. He clearly did something to try to stop something because mm-hmm. these cultists did that to him so i i don't know man it it, it really is like there, there's a lot of good story there there's so much good story there when you untangle it i really wish that it was like a little clearer on first viewing because most people yeah. aren't going to watch it more than once yeah it's totally a movie that's all about all about vibe then you know right total through line typical narrative kind of arc typical story structure it is really right. a movie that's about vibe and i personally am very okay with that like this movie oh, has a way more uh, cohesive story 
than some of my favorite, you know, flicks by like Argento and, and some of this other just kind of weird, right. trippy mm-hmm. giallo shit. Like, I love those movies not for their story, but just for their vibe. I mean, even like... Right, absolutely. Like, Mandy is a dead simple story, but it's a vibe oh, yeah. movie, you know? It like, is a I, I watch that vibe, too. For that vibe. And this movie kind of has that same feel to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I, it, it really is a, is a vibe sort of movie, and I would understand if somebody said... Oh, I saw that movie. I didn't get it. I didn't really enjoy it. Oh yeah, okay. totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fair, and that's that's the that's the movie's fault for sure. Uh, but you know, if you did watch it, I, I would say if you've seen The Void before and you didn't really care for it or didn't really get the story, like uh, try watching it after listening to this. See if if it makes more sense. Because once you get it, yeah, you know, you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, or you could rewatch it as an alternate telling. Of the Harry Potter story where Voldemort kills Harry and Lily and James's relationship falls apart after and they have to fight Voldemort who's trying to conquer death. You could do that. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is interesting. I didn't even think about that. Why not? Oh, man. It's right there. Uh, you know, I don't really think about Harry Potter much anymore. He's basically why. a Voldemort though. Yeah, he is. That's a good point. Uh, he looks uh, Vecna looks similar yes, to this, this very design. Much. Obviously, this this came before. Way um, before. Yeah, I I think yeah, you're right. That is that is kind of that is kind of his story exactly. So what yeah, if Voldemort fought a cop. <laughs> well, honestly, go Voldemort. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> It's got a definite Silent Hill vibe. Like I think, just in general, a lot of the movie oh, feels yeah. very survival horror, video gamey uh-huh. to me. You know, where it's like sure, there is this okay. kind of constantly escalating tension and little side right. quests and new characters getting yeah, introduced. I, I like it's that. very Silent uh-huh. Hillish to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really think about that, but you're right. It, it really is. Um, it also reminds me of a movie that came out a few years before this called the last shift which was mm. is about a, a a cop on her first night at a station that is being shut down so it's the okay. last night the station's going to to be operational it's her first night and it the the vibe of it is similar to this and i definitely recommend it i enjoyed it cool um, man yeah but uh, yeah i i honestly like yeah you can make a list of movies that have this vibe and I probably like all of them. Yeah, same, right? It's a cool it's a cool vibe. I like it. What do you think is up with the very ending where the doctor is about to open up that that portal to the void and uh our our Danny boy jumps through the portal, grabs uh Vecna with him there. And uh, yeah. They, they jump through the portal, but then whenever, you know, Danny wakes up in the void, he's standing there with Allison and Right. The doctor's no longer there. Like what? Uh-huh. What exactly well, okay. happened? Like, and here's a question that yeah. I have about this too: is like knowing that the void and the doctor can kind of manipulate reality around people, like right. like how the father and the son were suddenly back in the house, even though, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they were actually in the basement. They were suddenly in the house where they lost the mom and the daughter, or whatever. Um, knowing that. How reliable is anything that we're seeing in this? I mean, maybe that was right. Allison standing in front of the portal the whole time, and you know the doctor was just manipulating Danny into thinking that was him standing there. What do we know? Sure, yeah, it could be. Yeah, the, it, when you bring in like that mental manipulation element, yeah, you could definitely 
uh, read it anyway. But I, I think I think what they're trying to do there is earlier, whenever he was doing all the stuff to Allison uh, on the operation table, where he was telling her he was basically he was going to make her he was going to extract her from the the uh, duality of life and death that she she was going to experience this other this other dimension essentially and that that is i assume the void um so i but he also you know was doing those experiments on those other people so they it feels like they should be there too and then the the girl who gave birth to the the sarah creature yeah should probably Oof. be there too and so should the doctor like yeah and it's possible that the void um that the void as you said, it manipulates your minds. They're in the void. It's potentially they all are near each other, but the void has given them the vision that they are separate. Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it seems like, as you said, the void was calling to him. It wanted him. It wanted t- to consume him, essentially. And once it did, it basically gave him what he wanted. But so it's possible that, that it's not Allison at all. That it's it's just a projection of the void. Like here here's the thing you wanted. You wanted to be back with her. Here you go. Right. Um, I don't even think she has any lines once they're in no. the void. Right. No. No. I don't think they say anything, do they? I don't think so. I don't think either no, of them. Yeah. Does. yeah. No. Yeah. So it could be that. Uh, but it could be, as I said, the other thing where the the doctor was performing that experiment to make that a, a possibility. So. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it is still ambiguous a little, but it, I think it's. It is a good uh, close to their arc of like they essentially like he's experiencing the loss and essentially shutting people out and she's experiencing the loss and and trying to forget it by focusing on other things and she she can't forget it. The Powell forces her to face it like he it's evil like he's, he's being very evil. It's a very emotional moment. Uh, but he forces her to face what happened, and then the same with with uh, Daniel. Like he, th- like the void gives him that vision of her pregnant and stuff, and then reveals that she's dead on this table with all that shit coming out of her. You know, and he's got to chop Man. her head off. Oh, like, that's that's so yeah. fucking brutal. Like, dude, he has yeah. to chop up his former yeah. partner Evil with dead. a fucking go. axe. God yeah. damn, a little it's bit of evil grim. dead thrown in there fucking uh-huh. grim yeah. dude man and i love how that looks too and all the the tentacles are like oh, shooting so out good. against the walls and shit oh yeah yeah it's so good this movie is really i really enjoy it um d- despite you know what i said that <laughs> because you can't really fully understand it the first time or at least from my experience i'm sure somebody out there is listening like you guys are idiots i got this the first time but right we did <laughs> <laughs> i was homeschooled y'all Right. <laughs> I was public schooled, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what else do you need to know, right? Right. And I, I got no c- complaints about the soundtrack either. It's not like oh, a yeah, super like in your face uh, obtrusive kind of soundtrack, yeah. but uh but I do enjoy it. I think it fits the movie really well. Yeah, I mean, uh, got got some contributions from uh Blitz Berlin. Shout Ooh. out to to our guy uh Martin from Blitz, Blitz Berlin who was on our Psycho Gorman episode. Yeah. Um, give that a listen. That's good. It's good stuff. I, I mean, I, I it's it's minimal. It, it's not heavy most of the time, as you said. 
but it's good. The stuff that's there is good. It's it, it's either helping build the tension or establish the mood, etc. Yeah, that's and there's job. a lot of there's a lot of scenes in this that don't have soundtrack at all, and right. I think yeah. that works really great too. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, an interesting I, I flick, dude. <laughs> I'm not saying it's perfect, but I really do love this movie. I do too. I do too, man. And, and it's like you said, it's like it, it's one of those deals where. It is a specific vibe that I'll reach for again. Right. It is a vibe that I want to revisit that I don't think I can really get from other flicks. So this is a movie that I know I need to reach for whenever I want to revisit that vibe. And it's just right. so cool yeah. visually. And again, I, I appreciate the practical effects and stuff so much that I'm I'm totally on board with it, man. I, I hope that yep. they do another movie like this. I mean, especially yeah, I mean, after the, the popularity um, of Psycho Gorman. Psycho Gorman, shit, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, I hope they prioritize a sequel to Psycho Gorman above all things. Hell but yeah. But it would be cool for them to make another serious movie because this is a, like, really solid uh, first effort for for serious film. Like, I I mean, again, as I said, I love it. I'm, we're coming to rating this, I assume, right? Sure, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I said I love it, uh, but it's not perfect. And those imperfections are fine on a second watch through once you start really getting it. But yeah, you know, most people are only going to watch a movie once. Uh, so to judge it on, th- on that uh, and, and, you know, a standalone watching experience, um, I'd say for me, this is about like a seven to a seven and a half. Mm-hmm. As far as my enjoyability, it's you know great, love it, love it. Uh, yeah. But as far as like, does it does it tell the story effectively so that you can understand what's happening w- without you know having to dig f- too far? Um, yeah, it, it does struggle with that. But uh, on multiple viewings is is even better. So yeah, I think that's. Fair score, seven, seven and a half. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I think that that's very fair too. I'm going to go just a little bit lower than you and say maybe like uh, six and a half, seven ish yeah. for me is where I would put this. Um, again, it is a specific vibe. It's not one I want to visit all the time. It's a very dark kind right. of vibe. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, it is, it is much, much less harsh than, than several other movies of it, of the vein. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not rushing to watch Hellraiser anytime. Yeah, same um, kind of deal, even right? Even though I do very much enjoy that movie. Yeah, yeah. You got to be in a specific mood for it. So this one will hit the spot whenever the mood for the void arises. And, of course, we want to hear your all's opinions about this flick over on our social media outlets like our Facebook group that you can hang out with us and lots of other cool folks like yourself on, as well as our Instagram, our Twitter, and, of course, our mm-hmm. Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. How not over there? Become a patient. A uh, patient. Become a patient. We've got this new thing. We're accepting patients. Don't tell anybody we're practicing medicine without a license. But separately, go become a patron uh, on any level, and you get access to our Patreon exclusive uh, episodes, uh, including all the anadendums, the hell rankers, anything we throw up there. Including, uh, I am very soon actually going to do. The, the blind Pepsi challenge Look thing out. that people have been wanting us to do. Uh, I'm actually going to do it and post it on the um, on the uh, Patreon. So if you, you're a patron on any level, you'll get access to that. Patrons on a $5 level get to throw a movie into the smoking bowl. And then we pull a movie out of that smoking bowl once a month. And we review the movie on the show. And we're going to be doing it pretty soon. So go become a patron fast. Run. Yeah. 
run, fly, you fools, to the patron page. <laughs> right? Exactly. And go become a patient, too, for our, you know, uh, back alley medical thing we got going on. Yeah, dude, get in that waiting room, grab yourself a Highlights magazine. <laughs> yeah, um, from 1975. Play with that little toy thing. It's like the wires with the little wooden beads yep. that you kind of mm-hmm. lead through them. Has any one of those ever been for sale, or do they just sell them to doctors' offices? I think they it's just like doctors' yeah, offices. Yeah. The only place doctors' doctors' offices buy every single one of those. In mm. fact, they don't just sell them to doctors' offices. It's that doctors' offices have like bought them out. Oh, they, they got just, them all. Uh, yeah. Every time they make one, they're like, "I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me that one." <laughs> uh-huh. And tune in for next week's episode of the show, in which we are. Uh, checking out a movie I ain't never seen before, uh-huh. so I look forward uh-huh. to scoping it out. I remember you said that this is a pretty good one, isn't it? I uh, have I have uh, a lot of nostalgia for it. I will okay. tell you that. I think there are very good elements to it. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> when we come to saying it's a good movie, eh, that, that leave that up to your judgment. All right. We'll find out yep. next week when we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, Lether Fosse. Lether Fosse. Lether Fosse. I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had that album back in 65. Oh, it's got some jams on there. Sick bass lines. Uh-huh. Boom, 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 boom. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tune in next week. We'll be talking about that one, and I'll be Uncle Ben. And I'll be Hollywood Steve. And we'll be dead and lovely. Bye. Bye. So, do you think in the future, when we're like in our our fifties and sixties, and we're, you know, we're the the grumpy old liberals that's tired of all these young conservative kids that's running around thinking they know everything? I just had an idea about this. Do you think we're ever gonna mm-hmm. look at them and be like, nobody wants to woke anymore? You know what I mean? Ain't nobody want to woke anymore. Nobody well, we say that wants to woke anymore (laughs) Uh, well uh i think that that future is very likely that i can see pep peepaw eller sitting there just watching the kids i don't know not eating ass just like oh nobody wants to woke anymore (laughs) yeah because being woke equals eating ass (laughs) as far as i understand it and it's like it's like the primary reason to be woke right number one to eat ass and have your ass eaten (laughs) back when i was only maybe 16 is when i started woking i see kids out there they're plumb in their 30s ain't ever woke today in their life (laughs) you kids Go watch a movie and get unreasonably mad at it. (laughs) Go put out a really upset tweet about something. That'll change the world. (laughs) Yeah. I'll do it. I love this. This is is great, honestly. I really expect sometime in, in 15 years to get a text from you that says nobody wants to woke anymore yeah. and it's serious <laughs> and then you'll say he's been dead for 10 years where is this oh coming my from? god <laughs> <laughs> he's a go 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 ghost <laughs> but he's mad about kids not wanting to woke there's gotta be a way to schedule a text 
Right. That, like, you know you'll probably be dead when somebody oh gets God. it. There's got to be a way. I want that to happen now. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> Just so I can tell you from the grave, ain't nobody want to woke no more. <laughs> Not even so down stupid. here. 